Billy, what was that thing you were saying about glue sniffers or something like that? <laughs> Did you see that, G Roy? He just I took saw. one step. He took one step back and kicked me right in the ding ding. Now I'm gonna have to. <laughs> now I got. Now I'm gonna have to defend myself with every glue sniffer, but. I don't have to worry if we have to get on a podcast because I'll be so far gone by the time they get here. Y'all take forever to get on a podcast. What happened, T-Roy? Glue smells really good. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? <laughs> well, we got you. We're only 20 minutes late, but we're good. Yeah. I think yeah. I think Tater, Tater still holds the record. We were a good hour trying to get him on. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're. So, what you're saying is silversmiths are slower than saddlemakers. <laughs> not me. Nope. I did not say that. That's you, T. Roy. You, see, now you have all. You, you got to work with, with silversmiths. So, you know. Man, you sound like a politician. I am a politician. I live with three. I live with three <laughs> women. It's politics all day long. <laughs> oh. <Uh-oh. laughs> Do it, oh, Lord. any I'm of your so much girls in your family listen to this, Willie? No. So we're, <laughs> just, we're safe, at least in your family. Yeah, for now we're safe. But <laughs> but no, Katie listened to it. Somebody text Katie and said that we had been talking about her. And so, <laughs> so she went to listening. What are you saying? <laughs> Nothing. It's all sweet, I promise. <laughs> Perfect. Well, ladies well, and gentlemen, we have none other than Troy West, clear from Azel, Texas. So I'm outnumbered. I got two Texans on the line right here today. Absolutely. Strong-minded individuals, aren't we, T-Roy? We are indeed, but I did notice you told the wrong time a while ago. He did tell the wrong time. You did. Oh, I did? Yeah. What did I say? You said it's one and it's two. Oh, yeah. No, I said 145. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're on the same team here. We are. You are a mighty fine Texan. Mighty fine. I got to tell you all something, Carrie. Maybe you know this or don't know this, but uh, as I was rodeoing and Moving along, I rode a saddle made by our good friend John Hillman. And on that saddle had well, snuff can, snuff, snuff lid conchos made by our great friend Troy West here with us. Yep. And wow. I, I knew about Troy West for a long, long time, but I knew about his conchos a lot, t- long time before, long time before I met him. Now here he is. I think I Maybe might have. I just made a new set. For John, for John. John. <laughs> well, that's cool. Good old John. I, I probably heard about Troy for the first time, and I couldn't. Troy would be able to say what year it was, but uh, you made a saddle for George W. Bush. Uh, or no, it was for the was it for the Republican Texas Republican Party, and they gave it to him or something? Tell us about that. Story. Yeah, the the well. Uh, Yes, I went to uh, Wichita Falls to the uh, saddle maker reunion that they have every year in Wichita Falls. And uh, my saddle won best of show that year in the saddle making contest. And the young Republicans of Texas had sent a delegate to select a saddle maker to build a saddle for George W. Bush, who had just gotten elected. And so... uh, they saw my stuff and they liked it and they contacted me and they did commission me to build a saddle, uh, to, for them to give to George W. Bush. Hmm. And that was the year 2000. 2000. And I, wow. And I always say awards don't matter. They do. That's how you got yeah. it. Right. T-Roy. That is how I got it. That's cool. That is how I got it. That's that dinner plate of a belt buckle that you wear all the time, right? Oh no, uh, this, I won, uh, I won that five times. I don't even know what year oh. this was. Oh, well, that's cool. I got I got five buckles over there. You can't wear but one. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you seen the ladies make concho belts out of their husband's rodeo buckles? Or they're, they're, I know yeah. some ladies do that have worn them, too. So. Yeah, that's kind of cool. good idea. Mm-hmm. 
as we age, we wish we'd have won more, huh? We'd have a little more, little more. We got a little more girth about us, and so it takes more buckle. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> I, I got a pile of trophy buckles at my mother's house still. Oh, be damn. Hanging, hanging on the wall from the old rodeo days. Well, that's cool. What'd you do in rodeo? You- uh, calf roped and team roped. I'll be darned. I knew I liked you. <laughs> yeah, man, I grew up uh, uh, in uh, where we lived. There was a rodeo five miles up the road as a kid, so we went to the rodeo every Saturday night. I'll be dang. You got and, tired uh, of sitting in the stands, so you just got on one and said, here we go. Sure did. Sure did. Uh, started riding bulls. Oh, I wouldn't have said that. Started, <laughs> well, I, I won you one buckle. Told that. Well, look, you don't, I'm, I quit. Okay. I, I realized this is not a healthy way to live. <laughs> so it didn't take me long to uh, to switch to the roping end of things. Went back to the time event, boys. Right. Built a built a roping arena at the house. So I grew up with a roping pen right behind my house, and we roped every day. Well, there you go. I got a confession. Do you miss it? And this not. Yeah, do you miss it? Do you miss it to you? Uh, y- y- you know a little bit. It's you know it's a lot of fun, um, but it, it consumes you. Oh, worse than it's, that. It consumes you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And my son, and my son does it now, and he has a pen at his house, and he ropes every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his main deal is training horses. Oh, well, that's cool. He's a trainer. Yeah. Well, this is probably going to get my roping card jerked out from underneath me, but. Uh, we have a little FFA fundraiser this this coming weekend, and and uh, they're gonna have a big old goat roping. So I'm gonna enter the goat roping. Right? It's it's we exciting. Need a video. Like, no horse, all on foot. You put your tennis shoes on and go at it. Well, those are fun. They are fun. I can promise you this fat boy's not going to be running very far. So that means we'll be throwing fast. They stick their head out. We're throwing. It's either going to be hero or zero right there. And then we'll- <laughs> We're not going down the arena. And what is the prize? Well, another confession. I won it last year, and I won about twelve hundred, I think. Oh wow! Wow, good for you. I mean, it's it's a it's it's serious deal. Regular old (laughs) knife fight. Some of huh? What's the entry fee? Ten dollars a man. I think they had five hundred. They had 500 teams two years ago, and I got my butt kicked because I thought I was going to a little bitty local yokel fundraiser and entered with every kid there and got there. And about 30 minutes into it, realized all the other fat guys that were my age that used to rope really good were there at the, at the goat roping, and they came for blood. And I was like, golly, I got my butt kicked. But I reacquainted <laughs> myself with them last year and said, we got to rope. And they said, yep, let's do it. So that's how I got back. So in. have you been practicing? No. Mm-mm. No practicing. <laughs> well, I broke right. a few goats, but it wasn't in a competition like that. We had pygmy goats one time, and uh, well, off and on for when the Those kids were growing up and stuff. And and uh, I don't remember why I figured I had to rope them. It wasn't because it wasn't for fun. I didn't do that for fun. But I'll tell you what: you better have a fast rope. You, with you any don't kind get a of goat, loop. and especially pygmy goats. Yeah, we're, we're roping little, little, probably three, four month old goats is what we've roped in the past. So they're not not big, full grown goats. And yeah, they get a little erratic. You might say their 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 move patterns of movement are erratic and jumpy. So you got to be quick. It's all good. Well, T. Roy, we didn't, we didn't, we're not here. You were, we were talking about you now. Here we are talking about me roping goats. Nobody cares. We want to know about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you do your deal? I grew up in East Texas in the little town of Center, Texas. Um, like I said, my dad bought a, a place out of town where we could have horses. That was his motive because we always wanted horses and uh, we got them. And, and, and just like I said, there was rodeo five miles up the road. There was another rodeo. 10 miles from our town. So we literally grew up going to rodeos every weekend. Wow. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, we loved it. And, uh, um, 
In fact, uh, I played football one year in high school, and after that I quit because I was going to rodeos huh. uh, every, every weekend. In oh, fact, dear. that's what I wanted to be, pro rodeo camel. Yeah, yeah. We we all we all fall into that trap early in yeah. life. Win your first yeah. buckle. Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a be famous. Watch this, I'll be rich. <laughs> yep. And and uh, so yeah, so then my my brother, who was a year older than me, decided to go to uh, Texas State Technical Institute in Amarillo uh, to the saddle making school. Hmm. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know they had saddle making schools. Um, but my parents didn't want him to go by himself, and so they asked me if I would be interested in going, which I absolutely was, because my brilliant plan was that if I couldn't make a living roping, I could fall back on saddle making. That's the next mistake that we've made in our career, right? Just thinking that exactly. our, hand, our hands are exactly. going to make us rich. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, so anyway, that is literally what we did. And he waited a year, and we went together to Amarillo, Texas State Technical Institute. I didn't know it at the time, but, well, I mean, I met John uh, there. Uh, Willemsma, John Willemsma had gone to school there the year before we got there. Huh. And uh, he came back for a visit uh, to visit the instructors there. And uh, that's where I first met him back in the year of 1977. Wow. Oh, but Shorty, Shorty, did you know that we had people in our group that were real bona fide, highly educated uh, doctors of a profession here? I didn't know. You got your doctorate out of the deal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. PhD. I just don't tell people. They don't have to call me doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school too, Willie. I, gra- oh, I'm, I are a graduate of a saddle making school. Spokane, Washington. I'll be damned. So you saddle makers have been, y'all have been conflabbing together for lots of years, and that's how come there's so daggum many of you. You've been, you've been building, building a community forever, I guess, with all these colleges. Huh. Uh, well, they no longer have that school in Amarillo, and I'm pretty sure the guy, uh, they're no, no, um. Oh, what's the name of the guy that taught you, Carrie? Jesse Smith. Jesse. Uh, he's not still teaching, is he? No, no. He's long retired. And uh, somebody else, it was Verlaine Descrange, was a lady. I oh, never yeah. did meet her. But uh, I think she was from Cody. She taught that for a while. Didn't Bill Rogers? Seems like Bill Rogers did, too, for a little while there. But when uh, when they, I don't know if Verlaine quit or what, but they just folded up the school. And But that was a state-funded school. It, it wasn't that in Amarillo. Was that under the purview of the state? Was that a VA-approved, all that stuff? Or It was. It was VA-approved because there, there were several guys going there because uh, the VA was paying for it. And, yeah. and, and some of them weren't had no intentions of being saddle makers. It's just a free ride to go to school. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like a fun yeah. idea. That's how time. I went to school. <laughs> you went but to yeah. school on a free ride? Hell no, not a free ride. Well, kind of living with the Darnells was my free ride, but, but, uh, uh, no, just pretending that I was going to be whatever it is I was going to school for. Right. <laughs> I went. In, I went in as ag business, ag economics with a minor in business. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just knew I had to go to school to be successful. So away I went. Now, the successful part is yet to be seen. But <laughs> <laughs> so, we're hoping yeah, it works out for uh, yeah, for forty six so. years. Wow, forty six years. So I just tell people I'll probably just make a career out of it. <laughs> we'll see what we do finally grow up what he said we're gonna have to have a big old party in four years then that's right that's exactly right when's your birthday you've been you're pretty close to that ain't you yeah i made my first saddle this uh fall of 82 in the school up there so it's it's been uh what 
Well, I got married in 82, it was 41 years, yeah. Yeah. He wrote me brownie points there with Kim. She'll probably listen. I worked in several leather shops, didn't build saddles, but I, I was a professional leather worker going back into the 70s. But, but uh, So you wound up with an associate's degree out of that? Did they give out a certificate? They did. Um, I almost didn't go get it because I thought, who, who would ever care to see a diploma? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was going through my mind when y'all were talking about this, but yeah, you're a saddle maker. Let me see your credentials. <laughs> oh, you got the paper. Yeah. You're good. Well, you know, there's plenty of people with credentials that are just blithering idiots, and most of them are in Congress. Uh, <laughs> so and they're college educated so too. <laughs> Yeah. They're either in so, Congress or the professors at the colleges we want to learn from, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. If you're like, golly, did he really say that out loud? Man. Crazy stuff. Oh, well. So you've been building saddles <laughs> full time ever since you got your paper and everybody thought you were good then? Huh. Well, I didn't think I was good then. Um, no, but we, we but yeah. know the truth. But, you know, once you get your paper, then. You're bona fide. You're, you're bona fide. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, that's cool. So, yeah, I've been building saddles ever since then. Well, that's. And then now here we are, members of the TCA, and live happily ever after, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's a whole story right happy. there. We are happy. <laughs> yeah, that's the story. Troy I've been was sitting here contemplating whether. I've, I've yeah. been contemplating whether we want to share with the world that just how dedicated you are, Troy. Oh, I absolutely. mean, you are you are the most determined, dedicated man I know, and I have the <laughs> utmost respect for you. And I, it's up to you whether you want to tell the story. But oh, I don't, I don't mind, y'all. You know, the TCA was a tough nut to crack, <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to be in the TCA from the first time I heard of. And uh, so, yes, uh, I began to apply and began to get rejected and apply again and get rejected and apply again and get rejected uh, and apply again and get rejected. <laughs> but, um, I, I'll, you know, what, what they would do was critique, critique the saddle uh, that, that I applied with. And I, you know, considered if, if I thought they were lying or they were wrong, uh, but the, but they weren't. Every time the, the critique was valid, as far as I was concerned, and uh, so the critiques were actually helpful. I mean, a lot of guys will let that sink their ship. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. Uh, mm. uh, it's all of those things. So yes, I applied nine times and got in on the ninth time. And my attitude was, if I had not got in on the ninth time, I would have applied again. Um. And so, I you was, know, I was in the room for a couple of those last ones, Troy and, and uh, the saddle maker said, man, I'm getting so tired of him. Let's just <laughs> let him in. Just let him in. We, we just, <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> no, that's not the truth. It is the, and, and now here you sit in the captain's chair or in the hot seat of telling your very best friend that he's not good enough to be a part of your group. You know, that's the potential that, that happens because as you apply, you do become friends with the men. They offer, um, they offer the opportunity to, to build on the critique, right? Let's, okay, here's my critique. This is why I think you're not good enough. Now let's fix it. And they, and most of them will try to help you, right? Yes. I get through that. So there, there develops a relationship in that point. And so it is the worst thing in the world to, to have to tell a friend, you got to keep working on it, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's per it's a per very personal experience when you, when you lay your own head on the chopping block and you say, Hey, you want, we all want credibility and to be good enough for what it is that we do. And, and, and when you're told, no, it is very personal, you know, it, it, it stinks. <laughs> It does indeed. It's a, uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a blow to the ego. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not that saddle makers have big egos. <laughs> Boy, you knew that was coming, didn't you? <laughs> I, was, I had the hammer cocked, man. I was fixing to lay her down, but you beat me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, those big egos are terrible. And, oh, they're everywhere, but they're terrible. Yeah. And uh, and I've I've talked to several saddle makers, and, and it came up in the conversation. I told them I applied nine times, and they're like, I would never apply nine times. Well, I would say you will never get in if you, yeah. if you quit. That's right. Uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, I just uh, kept hammering it. You know, you know, Troy, I, I had the exact same feeling. I didn't have the exact, I had the opposite experience, but I had that attitude. It didn't matter. As, as I looked at the group as a, as a, a truck full of winners, and I wanted to get in the truck with winners, right? And and so I just wanted to be applying. And, and uh, my answer was the same if I got in as if I if I didn't. I got to go home, go to work, get better, right? And, uh, exactly. If you get in now that you are in and you're quote unquote good enough and you've arrived, it's been a whole nother level of work and journey on top of what you where you never dreamed you would go, right? Absolutely. You know, we're, we're making stuff that we would have never made. Mm-hmm. Had we not got into TCA, or I am, I am too. Yeah, and uh, and yes, and I, 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 I've seen your work greatly improve since you got in. Oh, ter- it's not even we're close to the same, right? Or now we're and, close. and so yes, we are all motivated to, you know, keep keep improving and keep learning, and and honestly, that's actually fun. Uh, oh yeah. That journey of the nine times that you applied becomes an an addictive journey to me. Like it's it's like you can't wait to get back in the shop to see what we can do this time, right? To, right. to improve on it and move on. And it's it's fun to get to you know make creative stuff out of the box. You know, I would have probably never covered a guitar with leather if I were not in the TCA. I would have never made leather covered lamps if i were not in the tca uh just so many of those pieces uh that are that are that are unique and fun the skull it, right it, fun you covering yeah mm-hmm. yeah covering skulls with leather uh what's fun for all of us is to be, to be creative and uh it's everyone a- else enjoy the creative part of that we talk about it all the time don't we Schwartzy? scratching the creative itch yeah, and that that also brings up a a topic, a question that that we've been dancing around for twenty five years, and that's what's cowboy, what's traditional, all of that kind of stuff. You just listed off a guitar, yeah. lamp, mm-hmm. lamps, uh, buffalo skull, that sort of thing. Um, obviously, Troy, you you feel like that that stuff is appropriate. That's that works for you. Uh, that works for our show. That that checks the box and what we're trying to do as a group. Can you talk about that a little bit? Some people would say that's not traditional. That's not cowboy. Well, those are good questions. What is traditional uh, is <sighs> a longhorn steerhead is very traditional to me. Mm. Uh, I'd love to have those things hanging in my house. Uh, my fact, my wife would love to have those leather covered lamps in our house, um, because they're Western. In fact, I, I thought part of our job was hopefully to come up with items that's never been seen before, or certainly never, you know, that's difficult. What's, mm-hmm. what hasn't been seen before? Uh, in fact, in Ecclesiastes, it says there's nothing new under the sun. So, uh, that's a tough box to check off, but we can do things differently. And that's the goal and the, uh, and the motive of every one of us. You try to do every pair of spurs completely different from the previous pair. You're not doing the same pattern over and over and over. Uh, same with our tooling patterns. We want to do new creative stuff. Obviously, a Western saddle is traditional. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're back to stainless steel didn't come in to Mm. Uh, Western saddles until they developed stainless steel. And I don't even know when that was, but uh, it hadn't been 
a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know when stainless steel was made either. That's a good question. Something I should probably know. <laughs> well, I'm um, the old traditionalist argument, which our our last podcast, Troy, was on technology, and I'm I'm one of the guys that uses every piece of equipment and technology and tool that I can possibly get my hands on to 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 do my world and uh because my hands still the ones that create it and it's still a one-off and nobody else good bad or indifferent is doing what i'm doing right they may be doing better but they're still not being me i'm being me um so the old traditionalist thing when you take a saddle or like i have two things that i can make for our show a bit or a pair of spurs but man you know and and the horse hasn't changed for over a million years he's been basically the same animal and and or however long I you know I mean for for forever he's looked the way he has the horse has and so we have parameters as saddle makers or bit and spur makers that we have to fit within to be functional and 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 a part of that you know fit the 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 physique of a horse so you can't get too far out of bounds but well there's a lot of different ways to say that and the minute I mean I I very rarely hear it but. I am contemporary with my designs and, and as y'all know, play to the Western performance horse world a little bit and trying to get more involved there. Well, that ain't there. You know, there's, there's a large faction of that crowd. That's not quote unquote, what our great grandfather said was traditional. Right. And so, so, uh, I, 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 I try not to get too bogged down in that traditional thing. Does it work? And is it communicating? And, and is it pretty? Right. Does it so I don't want to build a bridle bit that doesn't look like a bridle bit though. Right. I want right. it to look like a bit. And when you see it across the room and go, oh, look at that bit. I don't want you to go up and go, Golly, what's that? What did Wilson make? Oh, hell, it's a bit. Now, I think you got things out of balance when you do that. Right. Right. But but as long as it looks and represents what it is that we're doing, and then as they get closer, go, Oh wow, I've never seen anything like that, then I think I've done good. The story yeah. of the West is is always been an evolving narrative, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, so. I think what we're trying to do is to yeah stick with traditional things. As saddle makers, of course, there's a mandate as an active member you got to bring a saddle. So after you after mm-hmm. you get that done, you check that box, then then you can open the playbook and then start stretching and experimenting with different forms that fit under that big umbrella of western of cowboy of mm. of the whole story of the west and how it's evolved and and uh grown and changed and and that sort of thing so yeah the traditional in our title <laughs> yeah we could we could get crucified pretty easily by some people over that whole thing but uh, we haven't allowed that to hold us back we've we've been jumping in with both feet on a lot of stuff that that's uh some would consider non-traditional i i i i do think that a lot of folks get hung up on the word traditional really bad and and uh since i can't read it's never bothered me because i didn't <laughs> couldn't read it <laughs> i never worried but 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 again, you know, in a lot of in a lot of ways, I'm very traditional. You know, I, I feel like I am, but in a lot of ways, man, I blow it smooth out of the water. So, and that is for I don't I don't know if I do or not. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, what was that, man? We got a. That was my wife. Oh, uh, she. <laughs> we, I thought we had. I thought we were in a submarine here. We're getting pinged. Better go to periscope depth and see what's coming. <laughs> well, so we had a, a friend so that texted us a, a question that that uh, I I ran it past Troy earlier today on, um, and and it's a good question I think to wrestle with for all of us I suppose, but I'm interested in what Troy has to say here about developing your own style. You got any advice for? People out there trying to find their way design-wise. Of course, we're talking about mostly decoration. But uh, how do? What have you done to try to develop your what winds up being a unique style? That's Troy West. 
It's a good question. I mostly always thought that, you know, who you grow up around, uh, or spend a lot of time with, um, uh, you know, I, well, the, the lady that taught us how to tool it in Amarillo, she had her style and that's how she taught us to lay out tooling patterns was sort of in her style. And, uh, later I actually went to work for Billy Cook salary in Greenville, Texas. Uh, Jalen Gore was the head tooler there and he had his own unique style, very similar to hers, but, uh, also different in its own right. And he was super talented at laying out tooling patterns. As a matter of fact, uh, he got in the habit of going in the bathroom and uh, doodling on the toilet paper. <laughs> and so whenever they needed a new to- to- tooling pattern, they'd tell Jaylen to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd come up with a new toilet pattern. And so I was influenced by Jaylen, I would say, a lot. And then just being in Texas and seeing all the Texas style. Um, and you just do your own thing. And so my way of doing those things, I, I, I just felt like everybody did, uh, their style was an almost a natural part of, of, uh, of a blend of all the things they've seen and done and liked, you know, there's flowers that I like and there's flowers that I hate and that other people love and do all the time. Uh, but I don't, I don't even find them attractive. Are you uh, still friends with those guys? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't even tell them. I don't even tell them that <laughs> flowers. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, how y'all were blue snippers, you know. <laughs> Keep going. I interrupt. I side railed you. Sorry. You were in a good well, thought. Well, you know, and then, and then some guys will chase, uh, um, uh, a saddle maker so hard that they duplicate that person's work way too much so that they don't have their own style. They're duplicating the other person. Uh, that's not a good thing. Um, and, and, but I know we've seen it. I know Carrie's seen that and, and, uh, I don't know how to tell you how to develop your own style. I assume that everybody just uh, how they did it became their style Mm -hmm. and uh, just being a blend of everything you have seen and done and that you liked. I I wonder if it. Yeah, it is. It is a natural progression. And, and, I think maybe we can relate it to handwriting a little bit, right? There's different styles and techniques of handwriting, but each individual has his particular calligraphy, their own little deal. So when we, yeah. So when we start drawing the letter a in kindergarten, they've given us a picture to copy and we trace over the top of the a at first and we go through the whole deal, you know, block lettering and all this stuff. And then ultimately it goes into, to cursive later on but we start out by copying those letters tracing over them and then ultimately the teacher grabs the paper that we've been copying and throws it away and says draw your own letter a and at that point you have to fall back on your on your your memory what your retentive skills of is that a word retentive what you retained of the of the yeah don't be asking uh i know y'all english words from saddle makers it's it's too early. I mean, too late in the day for us to be. Y'all had too much glue in you. But no. But you. So. So we. we so we'll, we'll bring it back to our to our our scrolls and our leaves. When we first get started, we're copying those people that are teaching us, or or that we're inspired by the people we like. But to me, if you want to become your own man, your own person, your own style, when it's time to do your own story. You throw all the cheat sheets away and you draw your own leaves and you draw your own scrolls. And you and at some point you have to do that. I, I've been trying to copy Winston Churchill for a long time. Well, when I go to do my own, he, he didn't engrave bits and spurs. So I right. can't copy anything that he's the canvas. The leaves don't fit in the same canvas. So I have to sit down and do my own stuff and my own deal. Well, it doesn't look anything like Winston. I wish it did. I'm still trying to make it, but it's my own my own lick, you know. So I, I think that's a 
if if you don't ever throw the cheat sheets away, it's going to be hard for you to develop your own style. Well, I think your whole analogy there was completely accurate uh, to the point where uh, you can look at a signature and say, yeah. um, yes, that's his signature. I recognize that's how he writes. Mm-hmm. As 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 leather guys and leather tooling, y'all can y'all can look at somebody's tooling without a signature whatsoever anywhere close and know who did it if they're a well mm-hmm. if they're known to y'all, right? You know exactly. That mm-hmm. is exactly right. Engravers are the same way. You can look at it and go, "Oh, there you go. I know who did that." Right. I also um, think that literally drawing. You know, when we start out, they we would make knockoffs of flowers. You know, there's a flower I like, so we make a knockoff, which means you, uh, you, you literally take an accurate pattern of that flower and transfer it to a piece of leather, and literally take a swivel knife and cut that flower in there, uh, and then cut around that flower with a knife on the outer perimeter, and that is a knockoff. So you can get a piece of leather damp, lay that piece of leather on it and hammer it on there. And the print of that flower is there. In other words, we duplicate the same flower over and over. Hmm. That's how we did it for many years. And then uh, some guys actually started drawing their own flowers from the start. And I find that drawing those flowers by hand makes that thing much more alive and uh super attractive so we take you take projection artists now which projection has been going on in the in the two-dimensional art world for a long long time but when you have to project your story on canvas that often means that you have to take multiple photographs to get the story told the way you want to do it otherwise you're limited to only what the camera can do well i've seen i've seen drawings and that (laughs) <laughs> that the man and horse will be looking one way and the bull that they're supposed to be getting is looking at a off angle, right? Nobody's looking at each other. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And so you, you often do that when you go to knocking something off, it doesn't fit the canvas, the story like you want it to be told. And so the expression that can come from the pencil is much greater in my opinion. Right. Much. And that's one of the, there's a lot of guys that are, superb craftsman yes. can build can build a flawlessly uh mechanics smooth, great mechanics smooth mm. saddles but they lack the ability to lay out a tooling pattern uh so that hinders them at least in that area of uh of creativity and i think that's one of the things that the, the guys on the tca are are those guys that most of them are pretty good artist with a pencil so do you lay your patterns out with on paper troy or do do. you you draw directly i do both Mm -hmm. uh but 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 most of the time i will uh draw on vellum especially if i'm going to do a lot of over and unders and i do a lot of over and unders because it's it's just attractive people like it. it you can do too many. It can be, it, it can mm-hmm. be excessive. But, but yeah, I do. Uh, I will, especially a TCA saddle. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw it on uh, vellum for sure, and transfer. You sit there and do you look at the drawing for weeks, yeah. months on end before you get started? You know, do you get? Are you are you that far ahead of schedule? Well, you know what I told my wife this year. Oh, I'm gonna start in November. <laughs> <laughs> and you're laughing because we're almost to December and you ain't got started yet. <laughs> yeah, man, I got some saddles I got to build before Christmas. And, yeah, and you know Short. I got two guys wanting to come. Schwartz's already started. Get out of here! <laughs> yeah, good for you. I'm chipping away at it. I'm way ahead yeah. of where I've ever been in 25 years, but uh takes a while to kind of get ahead of the game and instead of playing from behind all, and all the time, uh, play like you're ahead. Like you've got three touchdown lead, that helps. Mm-hmm. 
It's good. That's good. Um, yeah, that's good. I do have some I've, tunnels I've got to build. Well, how many hours a week are you getting billable? <laughs> <laughs> the topic the of year. the then, year. Yeah. I'm sensitive yeah, I, towards it, Troy. I'm very sensitive towards this topic, to be honest. I, I had a guy come yesterday morning, stayed till noon. Oh, uh, another guy came this morning. Uh, I think I texted Carrie when he left, uh, I don't know, 1030 or so. Uh, well, you know, and, and, and the guy yesterday had a saddle that I made, uh, that he wanted to sell for nine grand. And, and you know, I, I got a, um, you, you can't just say, dude, I ain't got time to mess with you. No. I can't. But I am, I am in a, I am in a hole. I'm hidden. I don't have a sign. I'm just, you know, uh, you would drive past my house. You have no idea that my saddle shop is there by my, my house. Cause I got, which is a good problem. I ain't complaining. Uh, you know, and that's what everybody did. That's what Chuck did. That's what Dale did. Uh, if you pulled up, you had no idea this is a saddle shop and I don't want to sign out there cause I don't want people stopping. Yeah. So, I've done the same thing. No signs. Right. No signs. Well, it, it, that is the balance of the week as, as I had some people uh, come by yesterday to order a, a really nice pair of spurs. And uh, you're not going to tell them, well, hurry up and get this done. I got to go back to work. <laughs> right. And they, exactly. And they didn't spend but an hour, you know, with me or something like that. It, it wasn't an, an excessive long time, but but still, you want to make sure you take care of them. And Absolutely. Get it them. Absolutely. And he, yeah. and he wanted to take me to dinner. Well, yeah, I'll buy you a steak dinner. Yeah. And I said, man, it, it'll take 40 minutes to get there and 40 minutes back. Yeah, that's <laughs> be right. there there. I, I just can't. But thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I'll tell you something else I've done. is, But I have, uh, like I had some some friends come through the other day and just want to hang out and talk. And I've. Poor old Mike, he gets thrown under the bus. I, my my CEO is is Mike Skinner, Troy. <laughs> He's making he he challenged me, which means that I have to right when he challenges and I have to. That's my way of interpreting that forty forty billable hours a week. Well, so I throw him under the bus and I say, hey, I got this guy hired and he's a turd and he's making me get 40 hours a week. <laughs> and so I tell him, I told my neighbors, I said, I man, y'all come in, have a big old time. Um, I'm going to keep working. If you don't mind, I got to get 40 billable hours a week and, and just go to work. I can't hear you. I know. Get over here closer. I can't turn this bell sender off. Come here. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll snuggle yeah. up here. Yeah. But, uh, and when, when, when my brother and I worked together, we had a retail store and, uh, and he still does, he still runs it. And people would, would come in and say, you know, I just want to watch your work. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, then they all, they just talk and talk and talk, man, that, I, you, you know, I understand you got free time, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, it's literally costing me money every time you ask a question. And, and, uh, anyway, that's kind of the retail deal. That's, that's yeah. the downsides. Um, I remember, I remember, uh, at one point, Gary Dunchy at Big Ben Saddle removed his bench out of the, out of the store and and took it to his house and it affected traffic into the store so bad because Gary wasn't there. So they didn't come into the store anymore that he moved his bench back into the store. He made more money in the store by being there than he did not being there. Right. Right. And that fact, that's what a huge uh, attraction at at Ryan's in Fort Worth. They literally put a, a saddle maker downstairs so people could come in and they love, they love yep. seeing the whole ball of wax. That guy's using a round knife. I ain't never seen a guy use a round knife or sit there and tool uh, because it's the exact same deal. People love to come in and they yep. go, oh, the leather smells so good. And it does smell good. And uh, so, yes, there he is. That's why, that's, why, that's why y'all think y'all are more important because you smell good. Well, it's just one of the reasons. Oh, but you know what Ernie Ernie Marsh says? Ernie Marsh says you you saddle makers you're like folk heroes. 
<laughs> so it's glue snippers. Like we may be sniffing glue, but we're folk heroes too. So they're folk, folk kind heroes. Like, kind of like Bigfoot. <laughs> do they okay. exist or What's not the, i can't wait to hear the explanation here <laughs> well you know um everybody's heard of him few people have seen him oh right <laughs> but, but those that have are convinced aren't they <laughs> they are convinced yeah <laughs> i got a Lord. question for you troy so all right we we know you're a man of faith and and uh, all that kind of stuff. How did how does your vocation as a saddle maker how does that fit with with your your belief system and and uh, can you share with us how how it is your vocation as a saddle maker fits with your life of faith? Oh man, um, or do we have more? We need an hour or. Instead of fifteen minutes, or or only five minutes, <laughs> we're gonna get a sermon right here. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna get up on the pulpit. Well, you know what? I I had a guy write me a, a hot check one time for fifty two hundred bucks, and I went in my bedroom and I got on my knees and I said, "Lord, I'm a saddle maker. This is America. There ain't that big a demand for saddle makers. What do you want me to do?" And immediately, a scripture reference popped into my mind: Exodus thirty one six. I'm like, where did that come from? I said, Lord, I need to know, do you want me to keep building saddles or do you want me to do something else? Exodus 31, 6. Lord, you don't understand. I need to know, should I keep building saddles? Do I need to do <laughs> Well, to say, Lord, you don't understand is an epitome of, epitome of stupidity. Uh, the word says his understanding is inscrutable, which means he understands everything to the uttermost. But we were just having this conversation. And uh, every time you, I asked him. You were arguing script, with him is what it boils down to, which is legal. Well, I mean, it's it not is, smart, it, but it's legal. It is. It is legal. And he's very patient yeah. and, uh, and kind. Anyway, so I finally said, what is this Exodus 31 six keeps coming to my mind? You want me to read Exodus 31 6. So I opened up my Bible. I had no idea what it said. I didn't know if Exodus had 31 chapters. Uh, but it said, In the hearts of all who are skillful, I have put skill that they may make all that I've commanded you. Hmm. So I was shocked. Uh, but I found that to be extremely encouraging. And, uh, because I mean, what you know, it wasn't some scripture that said Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac begat Jacob, and you know, it, it wasn't some off the wall genealogy deal. It was literally an answer to the question that I had asked. So it was encouraging enough to me to continue to to build saddles. So so let me tell you this story here, because um, it's an amazing story even to me. And and so what what happened? Um, my wife began to have these baby dreams. Oh. When I say baby dreams, she dreamed we had an adopted baby. We had five kids at the time. We did not want more kids. Sometimes we didn't want the ones we had, but uh, <laughs> but we did not want more kids. You can't and, say uh, that. <laughs> Everybody knows what that means. We love my, I love my kids, and they know it. Uh, children are a blessing, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Yep. So uh, I, I, I'm just saying, you got five kids, man. Uh, you you need help. Yeah, you need help from heaven. And uh, in fact, there's people going, man, if you have one kid, you need help from heaven. And that's that's true. We do need help. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, she started having these baby dreams, and and she. And she'd have it, and she'd, you know, a week go by, she'd have it again. A week go by, she'd have it again. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, is she secretly wanting to have another baby or something? And, um, and, uh, and, and I said, well, how do you know it's a, an adopted baby? She said, well, one time it'll be a little black baby, one time it'll be a little Hispanic baby. Uh, we, it's just one we adopted, and we, we've taken care of it. And uh, then she started dreaming that she was pregnant. Oh. Yeah. And uh yeah. And uh then she dreamed it again and she dreamed it again and she dreamed it again and and then I started dreaming that she was pregnant. 
And she would dream she's pregnant, and I would dream she's pregnant. She would dream it, and I would dream it. This went on for literally two full years of us dreaming that she's pregnant. So finally, I said to my wife, you know, God spoke to me in the Bible in dreams. Is it possible that he's trying to speak to us and we're not getting it? So I studied all the dreams in the Bible. It is an incredible study. God started speaking to men in dreams in the book of Genesis. He spoke to lost men and he spoke to saved men. And uh, the language of dreams is metaphors and God loves metaphors. Um, You know, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Well, Jesus was never an actual shepherd Mm -hmm. and we're not sheep, but the Bible says we are God's people, the sheep of his pasture. So sheep follow the shepherds. That's the analogy. And so that's the whole um, ball of wax of, of, uh, of dreams in a nutshell. So here we are dreaming a baby dream. What does a baby represent? Well, a baby could represent a baby. We didn't think so. Uh, it could represent a new ministry and it could represent a new business. At this time, I was working with my brother at West Brother Salary. And I told my wife, the only thing I ever really wanted to do was uh, have a saddle shop at my house and just build saddles at home. So I figured out what it would cost to close in my garage in my house. And at the time, all I needed was two walls and, you know, a door and some windows and insulation and a little wiring um, to close in my garage. And uh, and I knew Dale Harwood worked in his garage, so I thought that was a pretty good plan. Anyway, so I figured out what it would cost, and the cost of materials alone was $1,500. So we said, let's say, Lord, if you're telling us to have our own business, I need $1,500. And we said, uh, let's don't tell anybody what we've prayed because we don't want any outside influence. Three days later, I got a check in the mail for for 200 bucks. Two days from First Baptist Church, the church sent us a check for 200 bucks. We were not in financial need. We hadn't sold anybody anything. And they sent us a check for 200 bucks. Two days later, I got another check for 200 bucks. Next day, I got another check for 400 bucks. In two weeks' time, they sent us $2,200 from First Baptist Church. I called First Baptist Church. Hey, I keep getting checks from First Baptist Church. What is this? What is this? And she said, well, you know what? People just keep coming in here and saying, we want to send you some money. And so we just sent you the money. Now, when you get checks from a church, isn't it like God sending you money? And we couldn't even. I would say so. We couldn't even say, gee, I wonder what this money's for. Mm -mm. And uh, so that is literally when I started building my shop at my house. And while I'm building this shop, I had another dream. And in my dream, I took two MIG welders and put them in the womb and two nail guns and put them in the womb. Isn't that a ludicrous dream? Now, going back to the the Bible in 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 the Old Testament, Joe Pharaoh had a dream. Seven fat cows came up out of the Nile, followed by seven skinny cows. Skinny cows ate fat cows. Now that's a ludicrous dream. Then seven fat ears of corn came up out of the Nile, followed by seven skinny ears. Skinny ears ate the fat ears. Uh so Pharaoh was perplexed by this dream. He's a lost man. He doesn't know the Lord. But he told uh, he told his people, and they said, well, there's a guy in prison, Joseph, who interprets dreams. So they go get Joseph, and Joseph said, um, interpretations of dreams belong to the Lord. So what the seven, the seven uh, cows and the seven ears of corn are seven periods of time or seven years. The fat cows represent years of abundance. There's going to be seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of lack. That's why the skinny cows ate the fat cows. The seven years of lack or famine will consume the seven years of abundance. And the same with seven years of corn. Seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of lack, and the, and the lack will consume the years of abundance. So what you need to do is get a plan and uh, plan for, you know, during the seven years of abundance, set aside uh, 20% to get you through the years of life. So that's a ludicrous dream that he had that had meaning. So my dream was two MIG welders, putting them in the womb and two uh, 
uh, what did I say? Nail guns. Two nail guns. Two nail guns put them in them. Crazy. So I, I, I was talking to my friend, and I told him that. I told him what Farrell's dreams were. And he said, Troy, we just asked you last night if you had all the equipment you needed. And you said you had everything but two pieces of equipment. I'm like, that is exactly right. God is telling me to get the two pieces of equipment that I need so that I have them ready when the baby is born. The baby is the new business. That's what God had been telling us. I want you to have your own baby birthed of your own desires. The adopted baby was West Brother Salary. It was started, my, my dad, it was my dad's idea to, to build a shop right next to his house, and we worked together, and that was West Brother Salary. But it was just a baby that I, we adopted, and we took care of it. And now God is telling us, I want you to have your own baby and uh, birth of your own desires. So, so now he's telling me get two pieces of equipment and, uh, and you have them ready for when the baby's born. So I started looking for equipment. I ended up driving to Tioga, Texas uh, to a guy uh, who sold saddle maker equipment. I knew that he was a liar. Everybody knew he was a liar when I, uh, so I just knew, just look at the equipment. If you, if you like it, buy it. If you don't, um, and, and when I got there, he lied to me so bad. I was like, I cannot buy he didn't, anything. He didn't tell you that that MIG welder was a good sewing machine for your, for your leather. Well, did he? Again, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't use MIG welders or nail guns. I know. I was like, whew, I'm really glad to know this now. Well, okay. see, I'm telling you, he speaks in metaphors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, in fact, I needed New Testament uh, verification on this dream business. Yeah. Uh, so God sent the angel Gabriel to Mary, and he told her, you're going to conceive and have a child. But he told Joseph in a dream, Mary has conceived uh, of the Holy yeah. Ghost. You, you're supposed to marry her. Now, what if you woke up one morning and said, Mama, I had a dream last night. I'm supposed to marry Mary. And she said, Dude. Did you eat too much pizza last night? Uh, but that's literally what happened. Then God told Joseph to move his family three times each time he told them in a dream. God told the wise men not to go back and see Herod in a dream. God told uh, when Jesus was before Pilate, Pilate's wife sent word to Pilate and said, do not hurt that righteous man. I was troubled very much last night in a dream. So here's all these New Testament dreams. God is literally warning Pilate through a dream not, not to touch Jesus. And he did what we all do, and that is ignore uh, the dream. And he mm -hmm. obviously crucified Jesus. And then the apostle, uh, then Peter said, in the last days I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Uh, so here he is telling us in the last days, we will have dreams. And it's one of the ways that God can speak to us. So, yes, uh, God is telling me not to use MIG welders or nail guns, but simply to get the two pieces of equipment that I needed, which was a band knife and a sewing machine. So this guy who I went to see lied to me so bad that uh, that I drove all the way home. And I, and I was 10 hours on the road, five hours up there, five hours home. And I told the Lord, Lord, I do not have the time or the money to drive all over the place looking for this equipment. Would you please tell me what I should get and where that it is? I didn't have a dream that night, but the next night, this is what I dreamed. I dreamed that I was talking to Ray Holtz of Ray Holtz Saddle Company fame. And he is looking through the wood slats of a crate. And I said to Ray in the dream, I said, you ought to recognize that. I just got that in from Sheridan. So I woke up the next morning. I told my wife, listen to this dream that I that I just had. I, 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 I dream Ray was looking at a 12-inch USMC band knife on a crate. Now, I never met Ray Holes. In fact, he was dead at the time. In mm. fact, I called Ray Holes Saddle Company. And I said, how long has Ray Holes been dead? They said, seven years. Why do you ask? I said, well, and you know what? I actually had a dream about it. <laughs> so, so I've got to, I've got to figure out what does this dream mean? Well, who does Ray Holes represent? 
to me, he's a world famous saddle maker that doesn't do anything anymore. Uh, what is he looking at? He's looking at a 12 inch band knife on a crate. And I said it was from Sheridan. Well, I know a world famous saddle maker who doesn't do anything anymore. His name is Don King. He lives in Sheridan. So I called Don King and we chatted for a few minutes. And uh, I said, Don, I'm looking for some equipment. He said, what you got? What do you need? I said, I need a band knife. He said, I got one. I said, what mm-hmm. you got? He said, uh, it's a 12-inch USMC band knife. It's on a crate. <laughs> I've had it seven years and never took it off the crate. Well, I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. What are the chances that you have a dream about a 12-inch USMC band knife on a crate from Sheridan, from a world-famous saddle maker who doesn't do anything anymore? And you call the world famous saddle maker doesn't do anything anymore, and he's got a twelve inch USMC band knife on a crate. I never seen one on a crate in real life before or after. Uh, and here it's in my dream, and so I'm scared not to buy this thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I said, <laughs> you, you didn't even ask price. You just went to writing the check. He, he that's right. And he gave me a great price, and he said, all right, I'll put sold on it. And I said, Don, I also need a sewing machine. He said, what do you want? I said, I want a, I want a Landis 3. He said, I got seven of them. I mean, yeah. I didn't even know Don had equipment uh, yeah. until this dream. And uh, and he said, I'll pick out the best one and uh, and sell it to you. So then I'm trying to figure out how to get a band knife that weighs a ton from Sheridan, Wyoming to Texas. Racking my brain. I'm I'm trying to figure out shipping it on a train, getting a, a shipping company, a trucking company. Uh, yeah. How much would it cost me to drive up there? Did You, you should have just taken a nap. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> because what happened three days later, a guy, uh, a guy from Tomball, Texas, called me. Tom Bouquet was his name. He just literally recently passed away. Tom Bouquet calls me. And he says, uh, Troy, I was talking to Don King today. He said, you're buying a band knife from him. I said, I am. He said, well, I have a one-ton, and I'm going to Sheridan. Would you like me to bring it back? Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, uh, the Lord told me to continue building saddles. He told me to have my own baby. He sent the money to me to start my shop. He told me what equipment to get and where it was. Uh, 12-inch USMC band knife on a crate from Sheridan, from a world-famous saddle maker. And then he sent a man from Texas to bring it to my shop. So I'm blown away uh, by all of that. Uh, I still have the band knife. I use it every day. I still have a sump sheet. And uh, and every one of those are, are great blessings and reminders to me uh, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Well, well, that's an awesome you know, story. I, that's awesome. I think I've heard those stories before uh, from you somewhere along the way, but yeah. Well, I it's certainly a, a comfort to know that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? It is. It is. And I'm constantly amazed that, you know, we're literally cutting leather with round knives like they did 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Using a sewing machine that's 100 years old. Yeah. Wild. Well, you know, I, my whole life I've grown up and when my dad wanted to create conversation in the morning, he'd say, you can't believe the dream I had. And I always thought he had the most interesting dreams and he made them up. I'm convinced of that 50 years later, he made them all up, but, but, uh, well, they're like the rest of his stories. He just elaborated on the truth, right? Just made it a little better. (laughs) But but now I believe that you've had the most interesting dreams in the world. (laughs) Well, I, I certainly do pay attention to my dreams. That's awesome. Well, I, I, you know, to, to be spiritual for just a second, I, I do believe that this is my platform to serve the Lord, right? It, it, my identity doesn't lie within how good I am as a bit and spur maker, um, because that can all be jerked away from you immediately, right? Uh, sure. The it could. Flick of a wrist. But, but I do believe that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because uh, it is to serve the Lord and take care of what he has to offer during the day. And this is my platform to do it. So way I go he continually throws people in my life to take to 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 take care of or build relationship with or or whatever right i mean it's a it's a it works both ways but, but yeah it just keeps going forward not it ain't because of our intelligence or good looks these businesses keep rolling that's a fact 
It is the grace of God. Man, Schwartzy, well, we, we, we pretty were... well burned up an hour here. Um, we were got wondering a few what stories we were along about. the same lines, getting started and stuff that that the apparent coincidences <laughs> from a distance. It looks like a coincidence, but really it wasn't. So I'll have to share some of those another time. But uh, well, Troy, it's been awesome having you on board. It certainly, uh, your story shed a lot of light on how it is you were able to endure nine applications, eight turndowns until you, that takes, you are a man of faith uh, par excellence. So, well, well, I will say the word encouraged me there because Jesus told a parable. He said, uh, he spake a parable unto them to the sin that men ought always to pray and not to faint, not to quit, not to lose heart. And the whole purpose of this parable would be that you never give up. Yeah. Saying there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. There was a widow in that city. She came unto him saying, avenge me of my adversary. And he would not. But after a while, he said within himself, I don't fear God. I don't fear man. But because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming, she yep. weary me. Uh, so, that's where I got it from. Well, I was thinking too. of exactly that same parable when you were talking earlier about your nine nine applications. Well, I'll also say that he won't give up on us, because you and Kim had to dream for two years about your baby before you finally did something about it. So. That is an absolute fact. He don't give like, up on us either. When is this guy going to get it? Come on, man. <laughs> hey, do you remember Jesus told his disciples? What? You slow of heart. <laughs> yeah. You are slow of heart. And yeah. hard to if neck people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I test his well, patience Well, we better right go clock in, gentlemen. Got to finish out the day and... Uh, Hope you all take care, and uh, God bless y'all. Absolutely. Enjoyed it, gentlemen. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Taylor. Don't leave. we got to get finaled up here, so oh. we'll take Okay. Thank you, everybody.